to episode 151 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 8th of November, 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelim. Howdy. Jim. What's up? And Will. Hello. Yes, so Graham is still away. And Jim, you're joining us, but this time not halfway through the fucking episode, so uh, you can get a proper introduction. People may know you from Two and a Half Admins. They might. All right, well, before we do anything, we have to spin the Wheel of Meh for two weeks' time. So I'm going to go to the Wheel of Meh now. I'm clicking it. So this is what we will be talking about once Graham is back. And it's, oh no, oh no, Alt Linux. This is that weird Russian thing that, oh, we'll have to see how that goes, Mm -hmm. is all I can say. Alt as in ALT? Yes. It sounds totally okay these days. Someone emailed us about this and said, yeah, check it out, this cool Russian distro called Alt Linux. Hopefully it isn't Alt-Right Linux, but uh, I suppose we'll find out. Alt Linux was founded in 2001 by a merge of two large Russian free software projects. That sounds like it's going to be fabulous. So, I've got a question for you all. How do I document my guitar collection? So, my guitar collection has got a little bit ridiculous now. Now, this could apply to other people's collections as well, whether that's ThinkPads or fucking Pokemon cards or whatever. But I want to keep my guitars long-term. But when I die, I want my wife to know what the fuck she has to sell and not get stitched up by people who con her. And so I want to document it properly somehow. Now, I could just make a big, long document. I could do that in ODT, and I could back it up on my NAS and make sure that it keeps getting backed up. She knows where it is. But that seems too simple. I don't know. And maybe things will change. I don't know. How best should I do this? Bearing in mind that we're talking about photos of them, descriptions of what they are, potentially videos that I may have ripped off YouTube or made myself. How best to go about this? long term. Until you said videos, the answer was obvious. You know, you make a spreadsheet. If you're worried about document compatibility, you export the spreadsheet to PDF, you save it, call it a day. But you just had to say videos. So do you really need videos? I guess I should also ask, how many guitars are we talking, Joe? Too many. How many is too many? Somewhere in the order of 15 or 20 (laughs) at this point. Now, project that forward to several decades. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you might get to needing like a hundred rows in your spreadsheet. Oh, no. (laughs) How will you cope? It's not just a row in a spreadsheet, though, is it? Because once Joe, God bless him, is not on this earth anymore, all of the romance and all of the stories and all of the history of those guitars would potentially be gone with him. And part of the reason that you have a collection of things is because you love them dearly. And being able to pass on some kind of value that you personally held on these devices to the people that you're passing them on to, I think that's very important. I think this question is is more than how do I tell somebody what's worth selling and what's worth taking to the tip. I think this is more about like educating people who will come after you about the things that you found interesting and why. Well, maybe, but that's not the problem that Joe said he had. Joe, which is the problem? Well, I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? I think that there are two separate problems that you address differently. You know, for I just want my wife to know what to sell and, you know, what to chuck in the trash. Well, again, you know, we're, we're down to spreadsheet, you know, a row per. You can have a picture. You can have prices when they were new. You can have descriptions, whatever you want. If you need to embed your story of this particular guitar, you can do that as well. 
if you really want to do something more like storytelling, like, oh, this is my curated collection that I want, you know, people to browse and know lots of things about, you know, that truly care and want to learn all the things. Well, that's an entirely different document, an entirely different problem. And I don't think you should mix the two up. I think your wife gets a spreadsheet. And if you really want to tell like the amazing story of Joe's guitars, maybe a blog for that, or, you know, maybe a media wiki instance. Or a YouTube channel. No. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> well, the, the obvious thing is a YouTube channel right now. But again, that's not going to be long term, is it necessarily? Because YouTube won't be around forever. Would it outlive me? Probably. But it certainly won't be around forever. Nothing will be around forever. Everything is going to need to get translated at some point. I think the odds of YouTube content being exportable into whatever the new whatever is are probably considerably better than, you know, whatever solution you gin up for yourself that doesn't necessarily match with anybody else's thing. What if I told you there's an application from KDE that does exactly what you want to do? No way. Templates for books, bibliographies, videos, music, video games, coins, stamps, trade cards, comic books, wines, you've got it. Teleco, it's what you need. And I've just sent you the link. How certain are you that somebody will keep moving that project forward forever for longer than you two? Open source. It's fine. You brought up spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are the devil's piss. They are absolutely (laughs) fucking brutal and they just need to die. Absolutely just fuck them right off into the sea because they're absolutely, it's just the most overused and incorrectly used piece of software. I hate them. I hate them so much. Just because it's incorrectly used for tons of things does not mean that literally a list of items and figuring out whether it's worth selling or not, like that is what a spreadsheet is for. Like allow people to use a spreadsheet for the one thing it's actually supposed to be for. There's no spreadsheet application out there that actually does that anymore. It's all about the, the wrong things. All right, let's say I'd go the spreadsheet route, right? I could just have name of video in one column of it and then have those videos in a directory. And I could back up that directory on my NAS, potentially in the cloud somewhere. I think that you're falling into the trap that Zoolander fell into when he was trying to get the files out of the computer. <laughs> and if if you go down the route of having a, a you know, a tar- this is a TGZ file, well... Now you need to know how you open that. And then you need to know that you can't just stick it in a Windows PC. You need to install some special software. I think there's a lot to be said for going down the popular route of what most people will understand. And you see this problem quite often that you you choose a particular piece of open source software and then you paint yourself into a corner with interoperability. The YouTube route, while being perhaps less free than you would like, is almost guaranteed to be accessible by pretty much anybody in the street. And so you're opening the options up to more people. But remember, it is a Google project, and really it's outlived its usefulness by this point, surely. (laughs) But the problem with making it public, now I could make a basic HTML website and stick that on archive.org, and I'd like to think that that will have some longevity. But the problem with that or YouTube is that there are certain private details that I only want my wife to know, like how much did I pay for it? And so... That's why it's a little bit more complicated than just do one thing. Is the answer maybe to do several things? That's the answer I already gave you. And yes, that's the correct answer. You, you haven't defined your scope. You've got multiple problems and they, the solution is not just one giant thing. 
It's to address each of your individual problems with the appropriate scope. Well, do let us know what you think, dear listener. Show at latenightlinux.com. How would you deal with this problem or these problems? I mean, it sounds like half of the real problem is you want a piece of software that will make your wife give a crap about your guitars, and I'm not sure it's out there, Joe. <laughs> okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux and see why Linode has been voted the top infrastructure as a service provider by both G2 and TrustRadius. From their award-winning support offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace, or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. Linode offers great price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including GPUs, as well as block storage, Kubernetes, and their upcoming bare metal release. Linode makes cloud computing fast, simple, and affordable, allowing you to focus on your projects, not your infrastructure. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account with your Google or GitHub account or your email address, and you'll get $100 in credit. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. On to a bit of admin then. And first of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And that contains Late Night Linux, Late Night Linux Extra, and Linux After Dark. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. Let's do some feedback then. And the first one is from Richard. I just wanted to send in a quick correction. In episode 148, Joe was referring to Visual Studio as the paid version of VS Code. I just wanted to clarify that outside of the name, these are different products that have about as much in common as Java and JavaScript. VS Code is a text editor, while Visual Studio is a full-on IDE and is only available on Windows and macOS, though I think the Mac version may be different, and I believe it used to be just called Xamarin Studio. Now, I did know this, and yes, I misspoke, but thank you for bringing up the correction, Richard. I know they are very different, but it was a case of they didn't want it to be in VS Code and they wanted to save it for Visual Studio, the not the paid version of VS Code, but the, the paid IDE that they have. So yes, I was wrong, but I knew as soon as I started reading your email what you were going to say. Okay, Jimmy wrote to us, and it's funny that you're here, Jim, because I think you might have something to say about this. He says, just wanted to say, I voted for Trump twice, but I'm still going to listen to your shows because I don't care what you think politically. I care what you think about Linux and open source, so I'm not going anywhere. This was in reaction to me saying, fuck Trump, with the whole Mastodon and Truth Social thing. And Jimmy, honestly, thank you. Like, you are wrong for voting for Trump, <laughs> but that's fine. That's your business, and I'm glad that you can rise above all of that stuff and still listen to us. I don't think I could listen to a show with a bunch of Trump supporters talking about Linux, so good on you. And Pablo wrote in and had this to say. As is often the case, in a recent episode, VLC was mentioned. Are people not using the superior MPV? Its lightweight, minimalist interface gets out of the way of watching the video. All of the regular controls you need are there. Keyboard shortcuts are logical and easy to remember. And it's just as versatile as VLC. Admittedly, the more advanced stuff is behind the command line or config files. 
It even has backwards frame stepping, something VLC has stubbornly failed to implement. Now all other media players feel so clunky and bloated. I still routinely install VLC, but there has to be a specific use case for me to use it over MPV. I started using M Player back in 2002, and then mm, it became MPV, and yes, I do indeed use it. Are you talking straight up MPV? Yeah. With no GUI wrapper around it to give you extra shit? What do you need a GUI for? You just need to double-click the video and it kicks off. And then, you know, if I want to start off videos, I do it from the CLI. That's actually one of my gripes with more recent versions of VLC, is it, you know, tries to go in this all-encompassing everything playlist building you know crap of the world like what exactly like what you know windows did with uh, windows media player that spawned oh, you know media player classic and it's like stop freaking doing that uh phalem's answer for like you just double click the video and it plays yes that please with that said no i, I don't usually use mpv because i do just double click the video and it plays and i don't much care what it opens in as long as it works Obviously, it opens at MPV, unless you're a lunatic like Joe. It opens in freaking Totem on my machine. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think that's what it is. I, I don't know. It's Again, whatever the Ubuntu default is, which last I checked was Totem, but I mean, I haven't checked in years because, again, who freaking cares? You double-click it in the video plays. Well, I like VLC still. I've kind of gone back and forth with various players, but at the moment, VLC is what I use because occasionally I like those other features. And I think if I had a bell, I would have rung it while you were reading the Outwill when he said, admittedly, more of the advanced stuff is behind the command line or config files. Well, I haven't got fucking time to piss around with that. I'm going to just right-click and go through menus and stuff. And... VLC is great. And okay, yeah, it has got a little bit more bloated throughout the years, but it still does everything I need. And when I occasionally have my associations fucked up and it opens with something else, I immediately close it and open it with VLC. But each to their own. And if you're happy with MPV, good on you. When I have used MPV, it's been very rarely. And I think it's been because, you know, it's like the one file in a decade that didn't play with VLC. So I tried MPV after that. And then maybe it works there or maybe the file was bad. All right, Ian wrote to us, can you guys talk about email clients in Linux or lack thereof? I've tried Thunderbird, etc., but it just corrupted my email accounts. Is there something out there I can manage all my email accounts and be assured that I won't lose anything? Hey, Round cube. All right, hang on, hang on. By the way, I use MailMate today and it does a fantastic job. Not once in two years have I ever had a problem. What's MailMate? Is this the arch of mail? MailMate is an IMAP email client for macOS. Featuring extensive keyboard control, blah, blah, blah. So he's using macOS. Well, I stopped caring. Well, maybe we should care more about it because clearly Ian is being held back from using Linux on the desktop by the lack of a decent email client. I don't understand this. This is like teleporting back to like late 90s. Like not enough email clients on Linux, really? There are no good email clients left, period. They have all gone to crap. K-Mail is fine. No, it's a really it good isn't. application. It blows. Thunderbird also blows. Thunderbird used to be great. It sucks now. The world stopped caring, and there's not enough developer mindshare left. And I still, in theory, prefer an actual desktop app for email, but they all stink now. So I gave up on it, and I use RoundCube. RoundCube is better than every single desktop client out there. It is certainly not perfect, but it sucks less. Honestly, I would point Ian back to last week's episode. Look at the KD PIM. Those guys are doing good work. It's fully supported. Look at KD. 
Definitely. How does it handle doing a keyword search on like 20 years of email? Because Roundcube does a great job of that. Thunderbird does not. Uh, K, whatever the hell the last time I looked at it, did not. Evolution certainly does not. Do you know what does a fucking amazing job of 10 or 15 years worth of email and searching through it? Gmail. Right. So, you know, Roundcube is kind of like Gmail, only, uh, you know, without giving up on life. (laughs) But seriously, you can host it yourself. If you have a VPS, you throw it up on the VPS and you can access your email from anywhere without leaving any weird passwords on anybody else's computer because you just open it up in a private tab in your browser. If you don't have a VPS or don't want to potentially expose your client that way, then, you know, you just install Apache or Nginx as whichever your choice is, plus the package on Ubuntu, just apt install Roundcube and off you go and you configure all your IMAP email accounts in it on whatever servers they happen to be on and it just works it just works so wait I've, to read my email i have to install nginx you have to install nginx <laughs> somewhere i'm actually running Roundcube directly on my mail server and uh, that's how i access that email there so i don't install anything any freaking where i just go to my mail in the browser which is It's what the entire rest of the human race wants to do right now, which is the reason why standalone email clients all stink now. Uh, They also stink on phones. Except KDE. (laughs) Don't anybody listen to him. He's clearly wrong. Uh, How many accounts and how many years worth of email are we talking about being able to use with Kmail? I have seven accounts and probably... 10 years of email easily probably more than that though but some of it i just delete after a while i i've started doing this thing where i'm just like i i'm never going to look at this again i'm going to put auto delete policies in kmail where i just say look if it's not marked important fucking delete it after whatever and it depends on the folder where that goes like server updates like do i really need to know that a server had updates required three years ago i mean hopefully i've installed them by now So I've currently got 321,529 emails in one of my accounts, and I can keyword search that entire store and get instant response, accurate results in Roundcube. I cannot do that in any desktop or phone client I have ever tried. Uh, for the longest time, I uh, I had learned that Thunderbird ser- uh, keyword searches were bad enough that I was actually better off using, you know, one of the apps on my Android phone instead. But that got to the point where that was really clunky, too. And Roundcube beats them both up, down, sideways, diagonally, you name it. OK, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. So I sit here in my little recording cupboard slash booth slash office with too many laptops around me and too much hardware. Will, the other day, you brought up a question about what to do with all your hardware. 
Yeah, in a similar situation, really. I'm, I've sat here, I've got three laptops. I've got the Haunted laptop that I use for testing various distros. I've got an old Lenovo idea thing that's, I don't know, getting on for 10 years old. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just old and I don't use it very much. I've just got a new laptop through work. And so now I've got an old laptop kicking around. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. But my kids don't want to use laptops. My wife's got a machine that she uses. What am I supposed to do with all these perfectly working, albeit a little bit old, laptops? It seems a shame to just stick them in the loft and and get them out occasionally and then put them back again. They're too good for throwing away, but they're worth basically nothing. So what's to be done with all these machines? Phelan, how have you avoided this? How have I avoided what? Having loads of machines? Yeah. I have a very cunning purchasing strategy and then I use it till it blows up or melts or goes on fire. I had a Sony Vio, which is my first laptop, and I got that in 2002. And I only swapped to a new laptop in 2007, which was a Dell. Oh, I don't know what it was. It was a horrible thing. And I got a nine cell battery on the back of it. And then I got a new one when eventually that was just not cutting the mustard anymore, which was the second gen Dell Sputnik for the Ubuntu laptop, which was in 2013, I think. And you mostly use a desktop though. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because honestly, just the ergonomics of using a laptop is painful. Even if you have docking stations, I just hate them. They're great for being laptops. I literally, I'm on a plane now and I'm going to use this thing to get something done or I'm off on site and I need to plug into a switch or whatever in the data center or whatever it happens to be like, you know, you, you can do it. But the second I'm away from my desktop, I'm already beginning to hurt because I, I just hate being away from it. Mechanical keyboard and vertical mouse. What are you going to do? Have you not got a load of old desktops then? Uh, yes. Now I've kind of either donated a motherboard to somebody or I, yes, I have got one that's up in the attic right now that's probably rusting away in that slightly moist, warm environment because my U rating on my house is so terrible. But this machine I'm using right now, it's relatively okay. It's a Ryzen 5 machine. It's probably, uh, yeah, it's it, it turns out I think it's three years old. I don't know where those three years went, but that just keeps happening with all my IT gear. It's totally fine. It does the job great and I don't need to upgrade it. And I just find that I get through fine with it. Right. Now, Jim, you are the polar fucking opposite of Phelim. You get sent shit all the time and you it's just piled up, isn't it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. If anybody wants to send me shit, yeah, yeah. Feel free. <laughs> Careful what you ask for, Phelim. <laughs> send me a shipping label and get out your wallet. <laughs> Maybe not that. No, but really, I, I think we need to back off a little bit. We We did not challenge an earlier statement that desperately needs it. Will, I think you both said they're too good to throw away, but they're worth nothing. You, they, it can't be both. I mean, that's the opening to every episode of Hoarders. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but I'm not even kidding. That literally is it. You know, you feel like, oh, well, this is too good to throw away, but like, you know, nobody wants it. Well, <laughs> if you're not using it and nobody wants it, then no, it's not too good to get rid of. It's not that it's too good. It's that you just feel bad for getting rid of it. Ah, oh, that's, that's the domain of mental health professionals, not IT guys. But yeah, ultimately, it, it can be kind of hard. I, and, you know, I, I don't want to make too much fun. I struggle with the same thing, particularly because, you know, I run a business and I end up with a lot of older gear that I know perfectly well. You know, there are clients who might have use for some of that gear. And a lot of the time it ends up sitting around in my house until it's become so old that it's like, no, nobody will use that anymore. And it's time to bin it. 
Ideally, I would have found a use for that gear before it was too old, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And the important thing, I think, is realizing when you have crossed that tipping point where you're like, yes, I know this thing boots up, but there is now no longer any real reasonable circumstance where I can imagine myself saying, here, take this and use it. In a similar vein, I thought, oh, I could give the this laptop to the local school or something like that. And then I think, well... If I do that and it doesn't actually work, then what I've actually, what I've given them is just some some garbage. And I'm not confident in the longevity of this stuff that if I gave it to someone, would I just be giving them another problem? And the kindest thing to do is actually not give it to them. Well, okay, so now that would be an issue if you're giving it to an individual, but typically when you're donating to a school, it's not going to be an issue if they're expecting that everything they get is going to be like perfectly usable as is and go. They know that they're going to get some garbage in there, but by being willing to sift through all the stuff that they get, they can come to their own conclusions about what's worth using and, you know, what's worth passing down further to the e-cycling center. So I don't think you should feel bad about donating that stuff to schools that have a program to accept donations, it's literally just, it's a step better than taking it directly to the e-waste center yourself, because there is the possibility that that school might get some use out of it. And you're literally handing it to somebody who is set up to evaluate that and figure out for themselves, is this useful to me or not? And for all you know, you know, they may have another machine similar to yours that, uh, you know, could use some parts and maybe yours becomes a donor, you know, machine for it, or maybe it becomes a donor for yours if there's something a little dodgy with it. But ultimately, You've got an organization that has said, yes, we want your old stuff. We'll sift through it and figure out how best to make use of it. So no, you're not doing a bad thing to give them this stuff. I have one organization that I remember hearing back in Lug Radio back in the day in the probably the mid 2000s. And it's an Irish, it started, I think, as an Irish charity called Camara. And they have a US branch, which is a 501c3. They've also got a UK company that is registered as a charity and then an Irish charity, and they take computers, take them to Africa. I mean, they obviously break them down. They, they build machines pretty much like what you're saying, Jim. Like they, if, you know, if a machine can be compiled into multiple bits to make an actual decent working machine or a laptop or whatever, and they take them out to Africa. I mean, the really problem bit about all the e-waste is it has a nasty habit ending up on the coast of some developing nation dumped in a landfill poisoning everything and you know we might think oh well i've recycled that it's all great but reality is it doesn't necessarily get recycled it ends up in a tip somewhere else and just poison their uh, water course so i I think this is quite good because they're trying to push education trying to get it literacy going up in various developing nations and yeah it might be worth a shot the problem is a lot of organizations have a destruction policy where they say oh well anything coming out of the company has to have a drill through the side of it you know absolutely wasteful stuff so it's not ideal always but if you can donate it i think it'd be the way i would do it not everybody's going to have this but if you live in a town of any decent size there's probably a local linux users group and there's probably somebody with a worse hoarding problem than you have who will happily (laughs) accept all your crap The other thing about that, though, is that that can still sometimes be really productive because, and again, we're really talking more mental health than we are IT, but it can be hard to let go of these things that, you know, you feel like, oh, well, I use this and I have this personal feeling of how useful it is. And I have trouble removing my memories of it when it was in its prime from its current condition as it truly is. So if you take like all the stuff you're trying to get out of your house and, you know, some of it's really useful and some of it's eh but you're having trouble, 
put it all together in one big job lot, take it to the Linux users group and say, you know, hey, you can have this, but anybody who wants any of it has to take all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, on the one hand, that's clearly hilarious. But on the other hand, whoever it is that did take it, they're not going to have the emotional attachment to your oldest crap that you did. And they're likely to be more willing to just get the heck rid of it than you were. So it can actually be helpful for all concerned. Well, once again, do let us know your thoughts, dear listener. What do you think we should do with all our old crap? Show at latenightlinux.com. Or you could just invite my wife into your home and she will absolutely tell you what you can get rid of and help you with that. (laughs) Right, well, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when Graham will have returned and Jim will have uh, fucked off back to America when we'll probably be talking about what's been going on in the news. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Jim. And I've been Will. See you later.